CIM Podcasts. The contents and views expressed by individuals in this podcast are not necessarily those of the companies for which they work. Due to the coronavirus lockdown, the CIM Podcast is currently being recorded via web conferencing. We apologise for any issues with the audio. Okay, hello everybody and welcome to episode three of the CIM Study Buddy podcast series. Um, And today we're going to be talking about how to get ready for the recovery. And we've got a special guest with us today who's Red Barrington, who is director of Red Star Digital and lead tutor at the Oxford College of Marketing. And we're also joined by a familiar face on the CIM podcast is Gemma Butler, who is marketing director at Moore Hall at the Chartered Institute of Marketing itself. Hello, Red. Hello, Gemma. How are you two today? Hello. Good, thank you. Now, we're talking about a shift, I think. Um, We've all been sat in our home offices, back rooms, living rooms, bedrooms for several weeks and months now, uh, looking at uh, surviving and coping. But I think now uh, our eyes are starting to look to the future and um, coming out of lockdown and uh, a recovery, an economic recovery um, that we hope will occur. And a change in focus has led Red, hasn't it, to a change in mindset and uh, to some degree, a change in marketing uh, departments, marketing agencies, business model yeah and actually I think two days ago I read a really interesting piece from McKinsey about this shift in mindset and it was about that the organizations going from lockdown now into recovery mode have almost learned new processes and skills and they're moving more to a startup mindset which I found quite interesting so gone are the days where we would you know, do all the research and the analysis before we launch something. We can now, and lockdown and this whole pandemic and everything has proven that organisations can almost just launch stuff and then look later at whether it's working and how it's working. So, you know, getting initiatives, processes, businesses, business models, you know, e-commerce platform, whatever they might be, getting them done in a matter of days or weeks rather than months or years. So it's proving, you know, that startup mindset can work even within larger organisations. They also mentioned this article just, you know, which we probably all can see that shift more to digital, digital platforms, enhancing, expanding those digital platforms. Um, But also what I found also quite interesting was adjusting um, the shape of the organisation and moving from, some hierarchical structures to squads, which I felt was a little bit 2020 version of teams, but moving to squads where um, it, the focus was some of the people were focused on particular areas of the business, but one group was planning almost for the new normal. So always looking ahead and thinking about what, you know, how is things changing? What does the new normal look like as that road for recovery is, is uh, well, we're on that road for recovery. Have you noticed, have you been conscious, Gemma, of the shift in your own mindset, not you individually and you as part of CIM and the organisation? Yeah, I mean, I think, as we've spoken about on previous podcasts, that whole short-circuiting of processes and, you know, bringing stuff to market and then working out afterwards how you market it almost became the norm as we went into lockdown when we all hit survival mode and everyone was very reactive and adjusting to all the changes. And we had to make so many changes in one foul swoop 
you know there was a two-week period where we just reacted to everything and you had to adjust to it and then as you've gone into the whole coping you know to growth piece that's where I think we've suddenly started to see the changes as we say changes to mindset changes to processes changes to recruitment are going to come changes to remote working and how we work and we've you know we've been discussing those things changes to how you outsource and changes to the uses of technology I mean it literally has touched on every single part of business it's given us a great opportunity to test things and I think people and consumers and society are a bit more forgiving as well um, when you put something out there that may not work because everybody's in the same position. That's an interesting point, isn't it, Red? That the, actually the audience for this stuff has become more tolerant to testing and experimentation. Is that something that you think marketers can really, uh, you know, harness? I certainly think so. Um, you know, it's a great opportunity to start testing different aspects. And you've seen, well, I've certainly seen that with what, marketing departments are have been doing during lockdown and, and trying to you know, get the business moving uh, towards recovery or keep the business moving uh, I mean some stark things that have happened with business models during this time uh, Primark gone from 650 million pound sales to nothing then you compare that to the boohoo's of this world who created this whole amazing campaign around boohoo in the house and getting people to share outfits that your cat will be impressed by I mean and getting that to work and keeping that business moving and people responding to that campaign. Gemma so that's interesting isn't it some companies have dealt with the short-term response a lot better than others how what are the what are the sort of the facets of that do you think what are the building blocks to be able to handle that short-term response? There, there, was, there was a dramatic need if you didn't if you didn't make those changes then you weren't you were gone immediately you know CIM changed all of its delivery mode from its open training, which was all face-to-face. Fundamentally, no face-to-face anymore overnight. So what do you do? Do you just let that business fall away or do you take your content and everything that you do as a business and, and deliver it in a different way? I mean, even, even now we're, what, nine weeks into lockdown? Yesterday, Aldi announced that they were doing a test run for home, home delivery with Deliveroo. And, you know, they're not doing it against, across all their stores. They're picking geographical locations and they're going to test it with some stores. They've packaged it up for, um, I believe it's elderly uh, as, a, as a, a segment. And they've put together fixed packages that can be delivered within half an hour. So, you know, Aldi was from, is a discount store in supermarket. We know that it's gained huge amounts of share over the last couple of years. It's dominated alongside Lidl. Uh, but they never really got into loyalty cards or delivery and they said they wouldn't. Now they've had the opportunity to go, right, let's test the delivery market. Let's see, you know, if it works for us. But they've gone with Deliveroo, who is a, is, a, is a slightly different way of doing it. And I think it's really interesting that even as we're looking at that path out to recovery, that, you know, organisations large and small are still looking at innovative, agile, new ways of working, new propositions, um, sort of dipping their toe into the water of areas that they would not have considered before because you know there's been a shift in the market you know there's been a an increase in people wanting home deliveries now I think it just presents itself with an opportunity and 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 I think there's a lot more openness and transparency to consumers from organizations to say we're going to try this out may not work and I think consumers have gone okay because ultimately as consumers, we're used to having unlimited choice delivered the next day, 
you know, it, to, to our detriment, you know, it, and to the detriment of the environment, to the detriment of everything. We want everything now. We want just to be able to choose whatever we want. And I think this has put a different lens on things. It, with, with the situation we're in, there is innovation, but there's also reduced choice out there. I think people are quite accepting of that. They are. It's, a, it's an opportunity, and it's a, a probably going to lead to, to some extent, we'll find out, a change in uh, consumer behaviour. But it's also a major challenge, isn't it, Red? Because all these new models are going to require a whole bunch of new skills. Absolutely. Um, the thing I found fascinating throughout uh, the start of the lockdown and throughout that process is the simple lack of leadership that there has been from some major organisations I find it astonishing that there, you know, there are people in management positions who have not been able to lead, lead effectively and lead effectively in a time of crisis. Um, and also that switch to everybody, well, nearly everybody working from home, uh, especially from a marketer's perspective. Again, better management, better leaders were needed. And it really did highlight some huge skill gaps um, that were present in many organisations. Um, but in terms of other skills, um, and I think how the skill set are changing, you know, simple things like the switch to more digital channels and use digital channels. Um, I think moving forward, user experience skills are going to be quite important. E-consultancy surveys some businesses and uh, they saw over half of them saw radical significant changes in customer journeys during this period and therefore the pandemic has shown major gaps in their user experience which you now need to go back and fix so I, I think that UX specialists and user experience specialism is going to be much more important as we come out of this into recovery because customer journeys have really changed in this period but also just other things like new digital channels that have become much more popular TikTok infamously now has seen huge increase in usage uh, over this period um i think they're up 20 percent month on month in terms of downloads it's huge and so again do we have people in our marketing teams who are able to utilize this channel or get the channel to work effectively for the organization um we're sending more emails than we were probably pre-pandemic as well email has again increase massively so do we need more email skills um, and finally I think strategy is going to be the most important skill for us to have coming out of this pandemic organizations need to have a roadmap moving forward that roadmap's probably going to change quite a lot and, and we do as organizations probably need to be a bit more hate to use that word agile um, but strategy and having a strategic brain is so important. And I think that's what we deliver um, at the Oxford College of Marketing with the CIM qualifications. We, we look to try and build strategic marketers. We'll come to qualifications shortly, I'm sure, as an important part of it. But before we do, let's just have a drill down a little bit into the landscape. I mean, one of the things that has happened, and we've talked about it now over and over again, is the remote working revolution. People have started to work a lot more at home, 100% at home in a lot of cases in, in this sector, in professional sectors. Um, and people got used to it and trust each other to do it and so on and so forth. We've talked about that a lot on this podcast series. But one thing we've talked less about is the 
labor market and the effect it will have on the labor market. You've just said, Red, you know, we're going to find a whole bunch of client side marketing departments that are uh, perhaps not got the skills profile they need for the recovery, that they need to change uh, the skills or bring in new skills to, to deal with these new uh, dynamics in the industry. Uh, similarly, on agency side, you know, there are going to be a whole bunch of campaigns that were going to be done differently um, after uh, the crisis as we move into the recovery stage, and they're going to need new skills brought in. But it strikes me is that the talent pool is going to be more liquid simply because uh, one would assume we're not going to be as restricted by location as we once were. I mean, the three of us here are at various points sort of broadly around the M25. Now, I'm in northeast London. Gemma's uh, at Cookham, which is uh, where CIM's headquarters is in, in Berkshire. Uh, and I believe you're in Oxfordshire, Red. You know, the, you, could, you could quite easily envisage a situation where all three of us could work uh, for the same organisation now if we were only being asked to come into the office once uh, or, or twice a fortnight. So to me, that seems like we're going to have better access to skills. And on the other side of it, people who do skill up are going to be able to, many more jobs are going to be open to them because employers are going to be much more tolerant to embrace, in fact, the fact they're going to be working remotely. Yeah, I've worked from, I've worked from home for 10 years, probably, on and off, uh, going into client offices, coming back out. I find working from home very effective for me, but absolutely. I think it's been such a massive change in mindset for management uh, teams, un, you know, realising that staff can work efficiently and effectively from home. And the fact is now, if you do need someone who specialises in a particular area, um, always skills that we always need um, client side, things like SEO, PPC, affiliates, very specialist niche areas often, and it's very hard to find that talent pool without going to an agency. They tend to hoover up a lot of these individuals. But mm. being, having that flexibility to work at home and distance not being such an issue, if you can just go to an office once a week, your distance isn't going to be so much of an issue anymore. And I do think that's going to open up a lot more job roles for individuals um, and also support organisations to better achieve what they need to achieve by having someone working for them directly rather than always having to rely on agencies or, or etc. That's a mega shift isn't it Gemma you can you can attract people you can recruit people who are within a two even three hour commute whereas before you were limited uh, to people who were within an hour commute. Yeah I mean I think I think it's really interesting at the moment in terms of sort of the outlook on the labour market. I was reading CIPD's uh, report that they've just published and you know as in amongst all the different things they they were saying that their research suggests that a lot of organisations will extend home working you know for a number of reasons, economical reasons, the fact that it will save them making redundancies uh, because they're going to make savings in the organisation as well and I think you know as, as we've discussed that is it that the job market will just open up and become more liquid and, you know, people having access to those PPC specialists, to those SEO specialists, to those specialists uh, in junior type roles who are investing heavily um, from the research I've seen recently in upskilling themselves. How is the job market, how is the labour market going to be seen moving forward? I read yesterday uh, from the Institute of Student Employers that um, actually 
organisations could be looking to cut uh, grad schemes and student roles, um, which would take a lot of those specialist uh, people out. And, you know, they said the worst thing we could possibly, they could possibly do is go, well, I'll sit around and wait till that market picks up, you know, more than ever. It's, it's about keeping yourself upskilled, keeping yourself up to date and, and, you know, working on your professional development. I think on the other side, um, there is this whole trust and flexible working now has been blown wide open and, you know, to be a freelancer and to not have to be geographically in the area where an organisation is also opens up opportunities. So I think there are challenges moving forward and I think there are opportunities moving forward. And I think at the moment, every week I'm reading something slightly different. So I think that again, like everything is a real moving feast and depending on your organization and the type of roles that you want in it, this is where the whole strategy piece comes in because you need to think strategically about what is your, well, what is your strategy? What is the plan that you need to take that strategy forward? And what is the team and the structure you need to underpin that? And I think like everything, organizations have the opportunity to step back and go, right, what do I need to deliver? But that's a mind-blowing opportunity, though, isn't it, Ben? If you're if you're in Birmingham or Nottingham or Stafford or, or, or Newcastle, even somewhere as far afield as that, you can skill up knowing that after the crisis has ended, you're going to be able to access employment opportunities, be they freelance, be they staff opportunities, uh, where where a lot of the business and revenues are concentrated in the southeast of England. That a, should be a massive incentive for people to do more qualifications, and develop their skills, shouldn't it? Absolutely. I've been really impressed throughout the crisis, the amount of resources that have been available, courses, uh, free courses that people can access to really support upskilling and upskilling their marketing uh, knowledge and marketing skill set. Um, and I do believe that it will really support them moving forwards. Um, as I say, I think there's a good opportunity for those, as you say, outside the M25 to gain roles um, within big London-based organisations and work remotely because you can prove, and it has been proved, that this can now... Uh, this can now work so there's definitely opportunities I think this also goes back a little bit to uh the your point around leadership you know uh every time CIM do a piece of research and ask the question you know what are the skills that marketers of the future is going to need and what are those skills are missing comes back time and time again the core soft skills and I hate calling them soft skills because they're not soft skills but communication leadership and uh relationship building skills are all critical and I don't I think you know this pandemic has shown us that they are the most critical skills that you need you know if you can't build relationships you can't communicate then well we've seen the fallout of that in certain sort of um, areas as we've gone through this and I think you know they are critical and to have that leadership in an organization that can stand back and look at what an organization needs in terms of structure in terms of you know how it's going to take itself forward out of this recovery I think, you know, it's really important that you look at the full picture. It's not necessarily about instantly scaling back, you know, your your departments. And it's not about uh, saying, well, we're going to have a recruitment freeze. You know, the opportunities are there. You know, you could go to an outsourcing model where you have completely flexible working, which is what, you know, startups essentially do. They have a flexible staff that they bring in and out as and when they need them. And smaller agencies do that. So I think it's, you know, I advise that people read everything they can about what's happening moving forward and sort of, you know, work accordingly to that plan because I think it's all for the taking at the moment, if I'm honest. 
Do you think that the communications element is going to fundamentally change after uh, we come out of this crisis? Are there going to be some permanent shifts in the way we can communicate with customers? I think so. I think there's been quite interesting shifts with communications during the pandemic from marketers. So we went from that initial kind of touchy-feely, we're here for you, and then I think customers and consumers got a bit annoyed about that whole, you know, soft music, we're here for you, plinky-plonky pianos. And now we've moved actually into a more humour stage and we're kind of, we're doing lockdown now. We're, we, you know, we're coming out the other side. We want to find things a bit more amusing and see the, the funny side of it. But I do think the way that we're communicating, the channels that we're using, um, the approach we're using, I think consumers want certainly more honesty from organisations. That's something I've, I've seen. Put their hands up when they say they've got it wrong or, you know, be more communicate better in terms of what they're doing and, and why they're doing it, certainly. I think the key thing, though, moving forward is going to be about re-engagement. So there's been lots of changes in terms of there are almost organisations that aren't really running at the minute or have been sort of mothballed. And now we're moving into that stage where we have to re-engage with that audience and work out the best way to do that and explain our proposition moving forward or, or how we're protecting those people. So I think that's certainly a challenge as well. And, and, and that kind of different type of communications that we've seen previously, which was usually, you know, bye, 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 bye from me again. This need for mass re-engagement of certain industries, um, car makers, airlines and so on and so forth, is absolutely fascinating, isn't it? What are the key approaches, do you think, in the future to allow those sort of industries to re-engage with a market that has, to your point, been essentially mothballed? So I've been working quite closely with a car organisation and one of my clients. And the key thing that we're trying to do right now is work out the approach to reopening the business because that is that is coming up. And how we re-engage customers and essentially what customers are wanted to be communicated about before. So especially in car making, it's all about how to trust them, what cars they've got on offer, whether they are finance. That switch has now been made to, well, actually, how can I buy a car from you? And also, how do I know that what you're doing is, is safe? Um, you know, how do I ensure social distancing? How do I know it's clean? How do I know it's COVID clean, if I could use that term? And I think it's also the same for, for airlines. It's going to be not just why you're a great airline or what you offer, where you fly to, but actually how are you ensuring my safety? I think safety messaging is going to be so important in that re-engagement to try and get people back. Think about all the restaurants and the pubs, uh, the theatres. That re-engagement is not just about that we're open, but how are we open and ensuring your safety? How What steps are we taking to ensure cleanliness? What steps are we taking to ensure um, the safety of the people that visit us, come to us, the customers of ours? There's another group, though, isn't there? They've, they've seen the opposite effect, that they've seen a massive increase in demand, um, often tends to be local businesses, um, which their, their, their challenge is a different challenge. Is that how do they retain those customers um, after the crisis is over, after the lockdown is over. You yourself has, have changed some of your own consumer habits, you were saying when we spoke on the phone the other day. Yeah, um, I now have switched from buying anything really baking related 
um, from the supermarket because there haven't been something there. But we found a new business locally that sells organic materials um, and goods. So flour being the biggest problem that we've been finding during lockdown. And we've now said that their flour is so much better. We're going to use them moving forward. But that strikes me as also an issue for these local suppliers. Mm. Um, I was also talking to a local greengrocer that we've been using and she was saying to me, I'm worried that there's a bit of a slowdown and people are just going to go back to supermarkets. So the key is for those local businesses who often don't have a lot of marketing uh, support or often even marketing knowledge, how can they keep engaging with those customers and keeping them to using uh, their services to remind them almost the reason why they've enjoyed using those services so from my perspective the flowers better uh, also from my perspective from a greengrocer the the fruit and veg lasts so much longer than a supermarket and how do we engage with the, the customers to, to ensure that those messages are coming across but you know what that's a really important point isn't it? there's lots of behavioral science that su- suggests that they will actually lose a lot of those customers unless they're proactive about making sure they retain them afterwards, that people tend to go back to their normal ways once a crisis is over, once something unusual has ceased. Gemma, what's happening in Cookham? Have there been changes there, people that need to uh, retain their uh, customers once this thing's over? Um, well, yeah, I mean, in Cookham, we have, uh, there is a local butchers, and whilst it's always been very popular, the queues outside there since the lockdown happened have, you know, have gone all the way down the road. And I think... A lot of that was word of mouth. So take away the digital channels and go back to the more traditional um, ways of spreading the word. Um, And I think, you know, it's a question of does he want to retain that business or is he quite happy to go back to his pre-levels of business? You know, and hopefully he will retain some of that, but not all of it. And I think it's it's really about how do you how do you take that message out there? How do you how do you during this period get people to to keep coming back and, and buying from you? But so how do you keep, you know, those levels of business up where, you know, it's a product that has seen an increase in demand that's been reactive as opposed to a a considered way of increasing their business? So presumably we're going from reactive, Red, to proactive. These sort of businesses that that your your baker, Gemma's butcher, my vintner, I've spoken about it a number of times on this uh, podcast now, have benefited from circumstances. Yes, they've gone ahead and they've delivered uh, on that benefit they have been able to supply that demand and good and good luck to them but they cannot assume they're going to be able to retain uh, a large chunk of that their marketing their comms is going to be, have to be proactive in order for them to make that retention is that right red absolutely that's right and my fear is for many of these smaller local businesses is they don't have the marketing abilities the skills or the support to do that Um, and so I think if there are local businesses out there (laughs) in your local area and you know you might be furloughed at the moment that could be a great opportunity for you to keep your hand in with your marketing skills perhaps and see how you might be able to help a smaller local business because many of them are so busy at the moment they don't have the ability to think about or plan for the future um, so yeah, it's you know there's the retain, there's the retaining your business, there's recapturing business, there's re-engaging. Some organisations might choose to completely and utterly move away from how they traditionally worked and the products they sold and move into a completely new area for you know which the opportunities opened up through the lockdown. Um, and then there are you know the hospitality businesses that are sort of they're held to what 
I guess the government rules and on social distancing um, as they ease moving forward will determine how they then re-engage and recapture their audience. And I think marketers everywhere can look at new ways of doing things, um, whether that be the customer journey, whether it be the products that you sell, whether that be how you sell those products. I think it's really sort of looking to marketing to take the organisation and point it in the direction of the way it wants to go. It seems to me, Red, that marketing then has got a massive role to play in the recovery, but it's going to require people to learn the skills, do the training, get the quals, and in some cases, to your point earlier, to volunteer and find new opportunities. Are we up for it, do you think? I think so. I think I've seen certainly over the past four to six weeks a huge thirst for learning. Um, We've seen huge amounts of people wanting to learn, signing up for courses, whether that's um, CIM courses or webinars that we've been running. There's real thirst for knowledge and to upskill uh, and having that strategic skill. And I think that's the biggest benefit that we see uh, we can offer through CIM qualifications is learning the bigger picture. It's all well and good, you knowing um, what PPC does and how to use that. But if you don't understand the bigger picture, and you don't understand what you're actually striving for in the end and you're, you know, who your target audience are, uh, what they like, what they don't like, it's never going to work. Gemma, get out there, get skilled up, learn the stuff you need to learn and you can be an absolutely integral element in building the recovery. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, if you, if you look at the fact that, it, you know, everything's sort of pointing to the fact it will be a v-shaped recovery then you know it's going to go down to a really low point and it's going to jump back up again and I think you need to be ready I think you need to carry on uh, with your professional development as you move forward Uh, and if you want to be part of that um, and put yourself in a position where you stand out um, against everybody else then absolutely keep moving forward and upskilling yourself. Gemma Butler, Red Barrington, thank you very much indeed. Thank Thank you. you. CIM Podcast.